0: everyone and welcome to empowered expression podcast i am your host susie dent and today i have a very interesting guest and a very interesting subject today we're going to talk about sex and primarily sexual choking welcome jack Dent, to my podcast hi jack he's a philosophy student hello uh he is 21 and i thought who better to talk to about the prevalence of this with young people than a young person. Uh, I um, Before I uh, pass it over to Jack and speak to Jack, um, I'm just gonna read you something that I found out. I was having a really interesting conversation and I discovered that sexual choking is um, quite prevalent among, amongst young people today because they have such a huge access to pornography. And young men watching pornography, which is, as we all know, it depicts sexual violence and violence towards women, seem to think that strangulation, or it's called choking colloquially, um, is okay. And many young women are having their first time with a partner involved choking. And um, I remember decades ago when Michael Hutchins, the singer of In Excess, was found dead due to sexual asphyxiation which is choking during masturbation, which yeah. obviously heightened his pleasure enough uh, to yeah. kill him. And the act of choking when you actually choke yeah. someone is, um, it cuts off the blood supply to the brain, makes you feel light- lightheaded. And in some people, a small amount of people, it actually heightens sexual pleasure. Uh, and I was having a big conversation with Jack the other day, and he's got some really interesting insights into what is um, happening with young people. But just so we set the scene, choking is strangulation. It's a medical term for strangulation. It is not a safe thing to do. Um, so, Jack, um, we were talking the other day and um, I've invited you on the show because um, you have mentioned to me that this is a thing happening uh, within your um, your demographic and within your peers, within people in their 20s. And I'd love to hear about your views on this and the sort of... Um, access you guys have to pornography. So, uh, you were telling me, um, you have friends cause I know you have many and varied friends that you actually have female friends who are in their 20s who have actually experienced this and spoken to you about it.
1: Uh, yes, that has, uh, happened. And I feel there's quite a lot of prevalence in, in the world now with technology and you were mentioning access pretty much everyone in the westernized more modern world has a smartphone and it will take you less than a minute to have access to pornography and towards anything you can search up um, you know you can always search up very lovely things but people can always search up uh, degrading demeaning things um, acts of violence and sexual violence um, and i feel that due to due to this being generally more available and the prevalence of social media, you then have more people accessing it, more people talking about it, and then you get the rise of people like Andrew Tate and this more very, very pro-masculine movement. Um, Not really, I'd say more toxic masculinity, a very toxic masculinity movement um, that seems to be happening amongst a lot of young men on the internet which usually involves being this real macho man show no emotion um and it always involves the man being one and the woman being number two um which is how it's been for far too long and they seem to be trying to reignite this in uh, modern society um as teaching people that it's okay for a man to be a man, so to speak, and then the woman is subordinate to him. He makes the decisions. He makes the money. Those kinds of things. So I feel with all of that happening and being so readily available to perceive by people, that you are getting more instances of whether it be emotional or physical abuse in um, relationships with people, which can lead to physical harm. And when you mention choking. Um, that comes down to it as well. Um, though I wanted to I wanted to point out there is something I think that is important for transparency is that there is a difference when it comes to like choking or different things in sex. There is a difference between something that is agreed upon, is consensual that both parties agree yes we're okay with this, we enjoy it, we like it and no one's forced to do anything. There's a difference between that and thinking either thinking something is okay and going through with it um, or openly trying to cause harm for your own pleasure against someone else's pain without their consent. And that's when it turns from normal sex pleasure pain to more of a violent act against another person. Um, I believe that is More or less stem from what we discussed the other day as well.
0: Oh, absolutely! Thanks for that, Jack. I um, no worries. It's um, it also seems that um, like strangulation, like with when a man, you know, put his hand um, gently on a woman's neck, Mm -hmm. it can be like a form of dominance, which can be a turn on and can be really erotic. Most definitely cutting off their windpipe.
1: Yeah. No, it also. And that's why I feel it's very multifaceted um, because there is a difference between a light hold and you know, you can still breathe, but you've got a little bit of pressure there and that can be a turn on for some. There's a difference between that and you add a bit more pressure and now someone can't breathe and now they fear for their life.
0: Absolutely. And no one
1: wants to experience that during sex. It's a very intimate thing to do with one another no one wants to experience that and i think that is unfortunately more common nowadays
0: i think also it feels to me that um young women who because let's face it when you're younger you are and experience with sex and and young men seem to be getting their sex education from pornography and from what you were talking about we'll go back to talking about toxic masculinity uh, and young women seem to be on their first sexual encounter experiencing Me. this and uh, without consent and letting the young man doing it, thinking that it's actually turning them on, you know, when mm. in actual fact it's supposed to be turning her on. And medically, you know, there's there's no safe way to actually strangle or or choke someone because you actually can cut off the blood supply to their brain and you can't mm. kill them. Uh, So the lessons that uh, young men are learning uh, through watching pornography are not good ones. Um, For me, when I first heard about prevalence of uh, this in younger society today, I was quite horrified because I, as you mentioned, I felt that women were being degraded uh, and that women. um, I thought that things were getting better for young women today, and to me, I'm just like, no, 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 that's not empowerment. That's complete disempowerment. Because or... the young women don't know and the young men don't know. So it's all about having this conversation, which is why I'm really glad we're having the conversation today. Absolutely, The older generation can sit back and go, what? What's happening to my daughter or my son they're in their 20s? And are they experiencing this sort of thing? Now, you mentioned Andrew Tate. He's been mm. here in the news at the moment. Uh, and he's someone um, that's been, well, actually, you tell us about Andrew Tate. I mean, and with t- Andrew yes.
1: Tate, and And the yes. uh,
0: way he portrays himself and portrays women and the way he's uh, been portrayed in the press, because he's in jail at the moment in another country. For, uh, well,
1: he's under, um, he's under house arrest at the yeah. moment. They released him from the jail, and both him and his brother are under house arrest. Um, I feel with Andrew Tate, it is, I feel everything is always quite complex. It's never just one thing because the thing about Andrew Tate that I think is probably most important is the amount of people, the amount of young men that are very drawn to him Um, because, you know, he, he speaks well and there are even some things where you go, yeah, that makes sense. There is so not in terms of any of the degrading things he said about men or women, but when he taught some of the things he said about life and achieving your goals, some people can go, "Yeah, I, I agree with that." But then, what I feel turns people to the other side of things to a less empowerment for women and for men as well is when you get pulled in. By one thread, and then you start hearing other things, and you go, "Oh, I like that one thing you said." Now you're talking about how your your woman is your woman, and you know you have to protect her, but she must be subservient to you, and things like that. Um, and I feel the reason it's getting so much airtime nowadays um, is because of how extreme it is. If someone had shown me this a few years ago and said, this is um, a mockumentary by Sasha Baron Cohen. I would have laughed. I would have found it incredibly hilarious. Because, like, of course, there would be no one who is this grandiose of a character. Um, the problem is, is it is real. And it is happening. And because of his prevalence on social media, you are getting a lot of young men drawn into this, this fantasy, twisted into this... Way of seeing the world and the way of seeing other people um, that is not good for um, the development of society. That is not beneficial uh, to young men or young women, um, especially young women who are being harmed physically. And I feel both young men and young women being harmed psychologically by it. Uh, like I was even, I believe I mentioned to you when we spoke earlier that I let's I think it's two or three. People I know, um, all women, their younger brothers over the past few years, through the pandemic till now, have all of a sudden become very vocal Andrew Tate supporters. Uh, Now, I've never uh, actually met them. Um, All of what I've heard of from them has been from the sisters who I'm friends with. Um, And I just keep finding it quite surprising. I heard about it from one person. I was like, oh, that's a bit strange. And then I keep hearing about it from a few other people. I'm like, oh, this is a problem now. The ideas are spreading. They're spreading too quickly. Um, I was even talking with uh, one of them who said that their um, brother will um, demand to to have food cooked for him and refuses to learn how to cook basic meals, um, just like a basic breakfast. Um, And they will openly... Come out and say I want like yell and get very aggressive and say I want this and I need all of I need this giant plate of meat I need all of these eggs cooked for me right now um, and will demand that of his mother and his sister um, and that's just one case uh, but that's I feel quite alarming because that's not the right way to treat a human being and that's especially not the right way to treat a woman or someone who's a part of your family, a mother or a sister, um, mm-hmm. screaming at you to cook for them because they think that that's the right thing to do because they're the man and they shouldn't have to have someone, they shouldn't have to cook for themselves because they're a man and they have better things to do. Um, why do so you th- I do feel...
0: Why um, do you think that yeah. um, that young men, are behave- apart from having these role models like Andrew Tate... Why do you think they're yeah. so drawn to this form of masculinity when really in society I thought we'd really start stamping it out? To me, it sounds like they're being threatened by women. Um, why uh, do you think that might be in modern society that all of a sudden we need to be going backwards to the 50s? where um, yeah. men are being taught, you know, women should be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and, and subservient to men. Why Why is that a good role model for men to have? Why do men want that? I
1: mean, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good role model for men to have, though I do think men should have a role model. Um, I've had many role models in my life, and I feel as a young man growing up, me personally and just in general, um, you want to seek out role models. You want to seek out people that you can talk to people that can show you different sides of life. Um, and there are some people that, what is it? There are some role models that can have a large influence over you. And sometimes they may put onto you negative behaviors, and I feel it's your job as an individual in the 21st century to understand okay um this is a mentor this is what they're teaching me i'm going to take what i want to take from it and then move on with my life i don't want to take the negative from it um so i feel getting back to our the main issue that the young people of today especially the young men are searching for these role models they're searching for these people and you know, they look to the news and what are your options, um, for young men? You know, you've got, um, the Steve jobs type, you've got like an Elon Musk figure, um, who's rich in business and is developing all these technologies, but then also has 12 children, uh, to multiple different women. Um, and then you also have someone like Andrew Tate who is, um, You know, a pro boxer, he lifts weights all the time. You go, oh, yeah, he's big and strong. I want to be big and strong. And then maybe you hear a few things he says on life and that draws you in a bit. And then you keep listening and there's more of this more toxic side of masculinity where the man pays for everything. Uh, Not that it's wrong to, you know, pay for everything, but it's nice to go pay for a whole date. It's fun. But when it's a refusal for the your female spouse to have a job or make money um, and you have multiple sexual partners because you're a man and that's what you're meant to do and that's okay and that your wife's only role is to be a wife and sit there or stand there and you don't talk to the other men because I'm a man and we have men things to do we have our fast cars to drive um, I feel that's where That's where it can go wrong. But the the thing that I feel young people and young men need is a positive role model. Now, unfortunately, because of the way the media works, they don't want to hear about, ah, Keanu Reeves, he gave seven uh, motorbikes to the cast of The Matrix. And what is it? Uh, I believe there was a story where, I think it was The Matrix as well, but it might've been another film where he was working on, he overheard one of the kitchen staff saying that they were going to try and sell I think it was their car or their kidneys or some, or their house even, some very large, very important object um, so they could put their kids through school uh, and then he didn't even say anything, he just dropped a check for I think it was like $50,000 just in their bag no, just just no questions asked, just like there you go because someone like Kim just as an example, a very selfless man, um, and I know on, I think it was the third Matrix movie, he told the studio to split his paycheck up. I think it was he was getting a lot of money by that stage. I uh, told them to split my che- paycheck up against everyone making minimum wage uh, on the set. He's like, I don't need much. This is how much my rent is. This is how much I need for food. That's it. Give the rest to everybody else. So they're the ones working on the movie and they're the ones who need it. And so I feel someone like that is a very positive role model to look up to, very selfless, very humble, but you don't often, unless you look for it or are a fan of a certain actor, you don't often see that projected on big screen media. You don't see that front page of your um, social media feed. The things that you see front page of your social media feed is, oh, look at this outrageous thing that has happened. Like, look at this outrageous person treating someone in a bad way. Um, there seems to be a lot of that because that is how social media works. Because when you have something outrageous, people click on it and it gets clicks, it gets advertising money, and it's just the nature of the business, unfortunately. But when people and young people are, especially when you're a young person developing in the world, and you're developing in this world where every day or every few hours you can take out a device and just show you outrageous content and um, very extreme points of view, then that's what you're putting in your mind. What you are exposed to is what you experience to a certain extent. And so when you're being exposed to all of this, you are then more drawn to that type of thing, which is why you see a lot of people... Going towards these more, um, more extreme political leaders and more extreme, um, you know, mentors,
0: because they're not really given anyone else to look at. That's you've explained that so beautifully. Uh, Thank you, Jack. Really, really beautifully. It gives us um, all pause for thought um, as to you know. I was actually asked a few months ago by a man um, who was talking to students. <laughs> who I thought were good male role models and I, my number one oh. was actually Keanu. Uh, yeah. and there seems to be, like you said, a prevalence, um, of bad role there. models. For um, you know, and they seem, and there's a lot of role models for women, uh, and, and role models to end men also, do you feel that men can also have, um, they also need good female role models as well? Oh, I- most definitely. Aging, and if young men don't have um, good, strong female models, role models to um, to look up to, they won't get the whole yin and yang as the, and the and the balance exactly as they're growing up. You know that's that is uh, very true. Yeah, that seems to be really important as well. But again, you know, what sort of female role models would uh, would a young man have apart from like obviously the beginning would be his mother uh and really? his father you know the first role models any of us have are our parents so we're set up from a young age uh of uh basing our lives on our parents and how they behave towards each other and towards the world and like you said, social media now because there was no social media when i was growing up um is huge so the only role models we had were well again actors and actresses that you you know or anything you actually saw in the press or in magazines or right. again, on the news and now your generation has so many places you can look at it seems it's very sad that um uh someone like Andrew Tate can have such a huge effect that it's, and it's the press always focuses on the negative and the and the outrageous right. uh, you know I mean wouldn't it be nice if um, outrageous could be, giving you know most of your million dollar paycheck to you know i mean really that's pretty outrageous exactly but outrageous in in such an incredibly humble and positive manner we don't hear enough about good male role models um for young men to to model themselves on do you have any uh, got a solution jack (laughs) i honestly don't um no, I,
1: exactly. I mean, I can
0: see. You know, in in um a few years' time, you're going to be an exceptionally good role model for young men at your own age, and for your own peers, and for younger men. Um, and I've known you for a few years now, and I know you actually have been in your life an exceptional role model for um younger men and a great um mm-hmm. uh, a great influence on younger men, which is great. I think maybe it kind of it comes from inside you, doesn't it? And uh, the, all the mm. external things that we learn, and that you see, um, as you mentioned earlier, it's up to us to sort out the the good and the bad, and figure out exactly who we are when as exactly. we're forward. Um, uh, Andrew Tate, I didn't, I haven't followed a great deal because I just tend to turn somebody like that off. Uh, but, yes, you know, it's very sad that. Uh, that sort of thing is happening in society today. It's, um, it is. You know what? What is our solution?
1: I I wouldn't say there's a solution, but there's definitely ideas and conversations we can have to maybe make things a little bit better. Um, especially, I feel when it comes to, you know, it is you know it's multifaceted because we we started with talking about violence against women in pornography and how that is creating violence against women just in life in the modern day. I feel we have multiple levels, like levels of a building. So we have that then we have certain types of influences, whether they be politicians or actual influencers and just people who have a who are speaking about things that are then causing men to, go towards pornography and causing people to have more violence against women we have that and then it's i feel a lot of the issue is in the amplification as well because like you were saying before when you were growing up news was slower maybe you the newspaper probably had a lot more local news in it than i probably our local newspaper but especially um our local newspaper are of the internet and of every social media site. Um, I feel in the past you would have opened up a newspaper and maybe there was a few world issues, but there were the really, really big ones. Like, this is so important. You need to know about it. And then everything else was local. Now, everything's global news. Uh, people I talk to don't talk, unless it's directly in front of you, won't talk about something that's local. It's you know, did you see the trailer for that new movie that is coming out eight months from now that's done by the same studio that did the last four movies? Um, everything happens so fast.
0: Well, now um, we can... So what, ...satellite, we can, we can watch wars happening in real time in another country. We can. Up from our bedrooms, we can sit there and watch a war happening in another country, which is just mind-blowing. I
1: actually... I actually had a, um, I followed it as much as I could, but I had work. There was a case, I'm going to say maybe a month ago, where there was a uh, private military for, this is with Russia and Ukraine, there was a private military that uh, was employed by Russia that had been suspected to go rogue and try and take over the uh, Russian capital. And I saw it play out live on social media. Um, I was on Twitter at the time, and it was just one little tweet, like, oh, something's happening in Russia, and then I went to work, come back, there is whole, like, large-scale documents detailing everything that has happened, there are 12-hour-long live discussions with journalists, with media personnel, with CEOs of companies, with people in both countries, with the leaders and the people who have power. And two days. Like, I mean, like not even overnight. It's the second it happened. And the second someone else knew about it and posted it, everyone else knew about it. And then they were talking about it and theorizing about it. And then by the end of the week, it was done. You would see that with the, um, uh, the submarine, the recent submarine disaster that happened with the Titanic submarine, where... I don't know if if you know about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And same thing with that. I woke up in the morning and first it was like, it was when it was just starting. It was, oh, uh, this submarine's gone missing. That's all it was. And then as I go throughout the day, I I didn't even have time to catch up on what everything else has happened because as it was happening, people were talking about it hour by hour. It, it was constant. And so yeah. instead of in the past where you would see a news headline, which is here is the full story, here you go, we still get that. Now you get to see here is the story as it's happening every single second. If something changes from one second and we know about it, you will know too. That um,
0: submarine, and uh, it, it's, well, I don't watch the Very fast. Was the submarine found? Did they find it? And it was a submarine, wasn't it, that was going on an exploratory mission to it was, look at the Titanic or get stuff yes. off something?
1: I'm pretty sure they were just looking at the Titanic. Um, from what I've known now about it, the main issue with that was the submarine wasn't properly, I think, checked over for safety um with the company. But I've been out my apologies. I would encourage people to look into it themselves because I only know the basics, but the main story of it was there were a few, I'm pretty sure a few CEOs, a few billionaires starting this tourism submarine company to go and investigate the Titanic wreck. And the very first one they sent, I'm pretty sure it didn't pass safety checks or wasn't properly built. Um, and they ended up within a few hours not being able to get back to the surface. And then the submarine imploded. Um, but that's the main story. Um, but the story that I know is all social media. And in a few hours, it went from being a dramatic news story to being, um, people joking about it very quickly. Um, was something that I noticed because I thought, oh, is this still going on? And even as people thought, as before people knew that the submarine imploded and they thought that they would still be alive and might be able to get back to the surface, people were starting to make jokes about it. And a lot of them, uh, funny like videos or a captured image, um, just making fun of the submarine. People had even uh, got the game. Grand Theft Auto uh, where you, there is a submarine in the game and somehow they got into the computer code of the game and modified the submarine that's in the game to look like the submarine that imploded Wow um, and this was, I saw this before they, the submarine had, before they had the news release that the submarine had actually imploded someone had already with, oh yeah i think like four or five people died like someone the the head of the company's son now owns the company because his dad died in the submarine uh and they can't recover their bodies because it's at the bottom of the ocean um uh, i think a couple that like, pieces have gone up to the surface but nothing else um you know people died family members died they've even said because it's at the titanic wreck they said the titanic is now lost another amount like x amount of lives like the titanic taken more people um but the thing that shocked me the most is how fast people were joking about it um because of how fast the news happens so that even once people they had found out that everyone had died they were still joking about it and then they just kept getting bigger the jokes continued and they got more grandiose. And this was in the span of a day and a half. And then it was old news the next day because something else had happened. So when you have stuff like that and the rapid spread of news, and if you follow it, it can be quite engaging. You're like, oh, it's happening right now. Oh, what's happened? Or you go and have a shower and you come back and 50 more things have happened. Um, It can be very engaging. Um, you know, like so imagine if you started watching a TV show uh, and then the, the second you finish the first episode, episodes two is out and then that kept happening by the time you finish an episode there's a new episode out if you were really really engaged with something it's like, you know, pulling pulling on a rope, And if someone had like a rope of um, chocolate uh, you're just eating it and it's so easy to get wrapped up in that stuff So uh, bringing it back to our main conversation, when you have certain figures in the media or political parties or anyone that we've already mentioned, when you have someone like that and a story comes out about them or there is anything, any social media presence about them or they say something on social media, that one thing turns into that kind of grabbing effect is what I'm now calling it, where it grabs your attention. And then because of how fast everything is and because it's global. So even if you go to sleep, there's people on the other side of the world still talking about it. So it's endless. And it is endless because even when you're finished, by the time you're finished, there's more stuff out. There's more people that are posted about that issue. Or now that someone's talked about that issue, there is now another issue that's come up. Um... So I feel it is quite fascinating to watch all of that play out. And I feel that the, as we were going back to our pillars, we were discussing before when we have pornography and then pornography and violence, and then the people that talk about it and who influence that, you then have number three, which is the spread of the ideas, the rapid fire spread of ideas. Um, So when you have all of those in combination, you have a very big threat. Because if it wasn't spreading so fast, maybe a few people would be interested. Uh, Maybe one or two people might become very extreme with it. But because it's spreading so fast and so rapidly, you have one person invest, then they send something to their friend, even if it's a joke. Like, Andrew Tate has spread really fast, both to people who are big supporters of Andrew Tate, but especially to people who aren't, because I find Andrew Tate very funny. Um, He says some things that are hilarious and very outrageous, and some people take that seriously um, and take it way too far. Um, But it's still that rapid-fire spread. So if someone comes up to me and says, oh, do you know about this person? And it's some person that's been talked about on social media. Most people will know about it. Some might not but they might have heard of someone else that has done something similar. Um, So I feel related to everything we were discussing, I feel that that is probably the biggest problem. It's not the individual watching porn and then going, oh, I'm going to try this next time I have sex. It's not just the influences by themselves. It's the combination of all three, where it's the person being influenced by someone repeatedly throughout multiple hours multiple days of getting exposed to these ideas talking about it with multiple people and then instead of having one person um you know doing violence against another person you have a large group of people doing it um and then say you're a young woman and you haven't had sex with anyone You've maybe met a partner, whether they have had sex or not, but maybe they've still been influenced by these ideas, and they go, Oh no, it's okay, because my friend has done it and his friend has done it. It's okay. Even if like even if they don't know it's not okay. And then you then put that on the impressionable young woman who's having her first time. And maybe you feel that she feels uncomfortable, but then she goes, Oh, well, it's okay. Cause I heard that my best friend, uh, this had happened to her. Um, and that all the guys do it now. Well, I'm not saying all the guys do it, but I'm saying in this scenario, it's like, Oh, yeah, I know of people who have done it. So it's okay. And then that starts to normalize a behavior of violence. And then that's also teaching both young men and young women that yeah, violence is okay. You know, I, I know I, I choke her during sex or I hit her very hard, anything like that. And then, you know, if you're doing violence against someone sexually, that doesn't, I mean, it can, but it doesn't always stop when it at sex. That's how you get husbands and wives years into a relationship and just a straight up abuse just happening. Um, because it's years of build-up of going, no, this is okay. Even if you're saying, no, it's not okay. If that build-up is happening over multiple years, subconsciously it's saying something that it's okay for me to do this and then the other person's saying, I've been receiving this for X amount of years, this is okay, even though I don't like it because it's I want to do it for him or anything like that. Um, So I feel all of that, has such a very big, short and long term impact um, on people thinking that way.
0: Wow, um, it's it's um, so you studying philosophy, Jack is um, probably yes, yes, I do for you uh, <laughs> because um, you have a great insight into how life. And Thank education you. Um, and how it all works, you know. And I listen to this as a 61 year old woman, and I just think, you know, wow, it's just, it's it's like a disease, you know. We see, you know, I see, you know, people of my age, and they're like people are always in their phones. And I don't mean just your age, but people in general. Mm-hmm. A lot of young people don't make eye contact anymore because they're just hooked on their device because right. they're being they're being raised. By social media, they're being raised wow. by the phones, and so when AI, you know, which is um, has fabulous uses, starts to take over, I wonder. Um, and this is a really out there kind of question. Yeah. Whoever's programming AI, which is supposedly being programmed by us as individuals, I wonder yeah. how powerful. And how much that really is going to take over how we're thinking it wouldn't it be great if ai was actually powered by love and kindness and and generosity and great role models so the switch could actually be um flicked to a different generation because listening to what you're saying to me it's like society is that just going down you know it's not really um it doesn't seem to be coming better it's not being elevated, it's not being raised anywhere near as much as it should. And I know that, you know, we're giving examples of um, negativity. Uh, But from what you're saying and also from what I experienced myself, there is so much negativity. I've had friends like just with the COVID thing go down the rabbit hole of being addicted to social media and the negativity that...
1: Yeah. Yes. And it's very, very easy to do that. It's designed yeah. to do that.
0: It's addictive. It's, it is. It's all very Ow. psychologically designed um, for people to mm. be addicted to it. So, you know, social media is our next, next addiction. I know parents, you know, of younger people who have, you know, threatened them. They're not threatened with being smacked anymore. They're threatened with having their phones taken off them. And
1: mm. the oh, yeah, it's no smacks. It's always phones taken off.
0: Take the phones off them and and they like they feel like they're completely disconnected. From the entire world, you know. Yeah, when I was like young, when I was a child, going out in the world, riding my dragster bike around the neighborhood was the best thing ever and talking to mm. people. We didn't know what was going on in the world. Um, yeah. Because it, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't part of growing up, you know. And the world was
1: yeah.
0: a more naive place then. And people really relied on who they were as individuals rather than who they were educated to be by whatever was happening in the social uh, construct of the society that they lived in. It's a fascinating conversation, Jack. Um, Oh, thank you. I know we could. uh, This is why I wanted to talk to you because I knew you'd have really interesting input Uh, and you've joined together really beautifully and I hope everybody out there who's been listening to this, um, this has really been food for thought. And What I want to bring here to Empowered Expressions is... um, When people express themselves, they empower us to think. They uh, empower Um, us to feel. And I think this is a conversation that we really need to have. So if you um, have the ability to play this podcast uh, to your young people at home so that you can let them hear Jack, who's 21, talk to them about what's happening in the world and give them a really good indication or an understanding of something that they're just doing by rote and by habit so that they understand um, how intrinsically it's actually affecting their inner psyche, um, maybe that's where the education needs to come from. Maybe we just need more people like you, Jack. Uh, well, about- I
1: do what I can. I, I'm not perfect, but I try. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, with a lot of stuff nowadays, there is, like you were saying that you feel that society is going down. And I feel in some areas it is, but in a lot of areas it's, like, really it's coming up. It's like, um what a, what a pedestal, or I don't know, like scales. That's what I'm trying to say, scales. The scales, sometimes in the past, maybe it was level, maybe it was something that was a bit higher or lower. Now we get things that are insanely good and incredibly bad. We have this very big gap. Um, you mentioned AI. A lot of the AI tools that are being built today if you look only positively can have such a major impact on humanity and can make lives easier, better. We can be much healthier, happier individuals. However, you can also use a lot of these technologies for large scale disinformation, lying, um, and just completely forcing a whole agenda on a mass group of people. Um, especially when it, Related to social media, I know something that, because with Elon Musk, who recently, I think last year, purchased Twitter, um, started to have people only pay for it. So they got less ads and they could verify the individual as a human being and not a bot, not a AI. Because say you have a very, what's the word for it? I don't know the right word for it, but say you have uh, someone in some country, a political leader who maybe has very extreme views or maybe wants to completely change the entire country and mold it in their image, make it a real dictatorship or some new version of that. You can, when they have their election, their democratic election, if it's still in a democratic country, can flood social media with bots and have each bot find an individual and tailor all of their responses to that individual. And we'll have multiple bots do this. So if you have an actual human being, you might have 30 or 40 or 500 people that you think are actually people, but are actually bots all designed to manipulate you and change your mind and go, yeah, I'm going to vote for this person. Because if we go into social media and we talk about things without those bots, maybe you get a better informed opinion and go, oh, maybe this guy, but he has a couple of things wrong with him. But if you have social media being invaded with AI that you don't know is AI, um, you would be led to believe you're talking to all these people when you're just talking to an AI that's just designed to make you vote for this one person that then changes society completely. Um so that's a positive thing. Sorry, that's a negative thing. But you can also have AI be a personal like therapist for you. You get to have it understand your thoughts and feelings and help you. You can also get it to um what is that? I saw this case where um this man Uh, was unsure if his dog was well or not he'd taken his dog to the vet checked the dog, everything was fine but his dog just kept like vomiting, it kept doing things so he wrote down all of the symptoms, wrote down the breed wrote down as much information as possible put it into um, ChatGPT the AI um, large language model uh, put it into ChatGPT version 4 and said hey my dog's been doing a lot of this weird stuff recently. Here's all the symptoms. Here's all this. I've gone and checked it out with my vet. They say that nothing's wrong, but my dog still keeps doing all this stuff. Do you have an idea of what the problem might be? And the AI took its time and then went, We think it's this, 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 or this. The um the owner of the dog was very convinced it was one of those answers, went back to the dog uh to the vet, took the dog to the vet. And they performed a much more thorough analysis and looked specifically for what the AI recommended. Found a tumor in the dog, got it removed, saved the dog's life. Um, So you've got... And and the AI's not even trained on medical information. It's not even trained to do that. And yet it did that. And it saved a life. Um, And I feel that is an incredibly positive use of the technology. But then on the other side, you've got much more dangerous uses, And so that's how, related to what we were talking about before with these toxic masculinity like influences, you could just mass manipulate the public into believing your own personal views. And even just at an individual level, you can target one person and do it one at a time. Um, there's a lot of things that it could do um, and related to what you were saying about the the punishment for young people nowadays is um, have your phone taken off you um, and the feeling of being disconnected from the world I have, um, I have two things i want to say about this now i can't remember the name of the study but there is a scientific study that they i believe it was a i think it was harvard university i can't remember specifically but i believe it was a harvard university study where they studied people and their like their connection to their phones on a physical, emotional, psychological level. Um, they got people to some people to uh, take tests in a room, fifty percent with their phone on them, but they not they, It's on silent and everything, but it's just in their pocket, and fifty percent without it for multiple hours. And the people with the phone on them were very, very conscious that the phone was there. Even if they were, like, if they wrote a mathematics answer, they noticed, because they had, like, you know, every finger was connected up to a, a thing and their brain was, they had a, a brain scanner. They noticed that whenever there was certain questions that you would normally Google or search up for, there was a response in whichever head was closest to the leg that had the phone in it. And with the people who didn't have their phones on them uh, they realized they compared the data that they got from that with the people who didn't have their phone on them and they compared it to people who have lost a limb and have experienced the phantom limb syndrome where say you lose an arm and it's not there but for whatever reason you still feel it you can still move your fingers um people who didn't have their phone on them had the exact same or at least very similar brain waves to people with phantom limb syndrome, um, which is kind of suggesting that our phones have become such a companion, such a useful tool, it's replaced so many things and is very, very essential to modern society nowadays for a lot of people as a tool of communication it's become so essential that when people are severed from that, they like physically, psychologically, whether they know it or not, are undergoing the same process as if they lost a limb. Um, a lot of people today have even said that, well, you know, when are we going to become cyborgs? We already have, we've already started that, uh, because we've already started changing our psychology and our physical response. Um, uh, because of the we have the object there especially young people growing up with it um it being so essential and they lose it it's like i've lost my arm now i can't hunt anymore it goes back to that hunter gatherer stage where we were hunting and if you lost something it would be very important um life or death because oh now i i'm gonna let the tribe down and it's you're still getting that same response, but from a smartphone. So no wonder you have young people and their their parents take their smartphone off them that they feel, you know, disconnected from their tribe, so to speak. You may it might seem like oh, you just can't text your friends for the night, but psychologically and physically, that is what it's doing uh, for people who have grown up with a smartphone. Um, and when you have something that is psychologically that important as important as maintaining a good friendship with someone that is where you get to that's where there could be quite a lot of dangers um in the modern world and so that's mainly what i wanted to say in terms of young people with smartphone usage uh, the other thing i was going to say was i don't think the solution is to take phones off your I you may remember a few years ago where I did not have a smartphone and I either had a um what I'd call a minimalist phone, which is a phone that just phone calls and text messages, or I had an old Nokia flip phone I was using, because I myself, as a young person, also felt very drawn in by the these devices and very very taken by them, basically. Um but I also noticed because I I like to be very creative, I like to do a lot of writing, uh, especially with my university studies, Um, I realized I was getting very distracted a lot of the time and it wasn't beneficial. There are some distractions I feel is beneficial, you know, sitting down, watching a TV show and just being fully immersed in it is definitely distracting, but it can have a lot of benefits. But if all you're doing every single day is just scrolling, doing the infinite scroll there's a term called doom scrolling now um which is where you're not even on a social media or you're on youtube or anything for a purpose you're just there to scroll you scroll through little videos you scroll scroll through TikTok or instagram or anything because it doesn't end it's an infinite loop it will the the app is always going to find something to show you um because it keeps you more engaged But that's where, when you mentioned young people not having eye contact or having issues with public speaking, that's where those issues become more prevalent because you've got a device that is essential but that is also designed to steal your attention. Then you get a lot of people who aren't being as creative, who aren't, you know, doing as much because of that. um, And the point I was trying to make with that is that we shouldn't take phones away from people because they are an essential tool and they're very important. But I think we should teach proper usage and have the knowledge of how to use it correctly. Because that's through my two or three year journey of still having a mobile phone, but not having a smartphone just as a little test. I got to realize that actually having a smartphone is very important. The problem is the usage. The problem is how we use it, how often we use it, and what we are there for. Um, And luckily, there are lots of companies, um, including Apple and Google, and even more independent companies, working towards features inside phones that can empower you Mm -hmm. to reduce distractions and use it as a tool instead of it using you as a tool. Uh,
0: I remember so feel,
1: back with your
0: phone yeah. that you um, weren't connected to social media. You had very little. At all. <laughs> control, yeah. Um, because you were doing it as an experiment to see, and you weren't like really yes. tightly connected to social media either. But as you mentioned, you no. felt the pull, you felt the draw, you felt what distracting from your writing and the things that you wanted to do. Uh, but it also completely. Um, you you would say to your friends at the time because i remember you were quite young at the time if you want to speak to me call me on the phone yeah you text me on an app because i'm not on instagram and i'm not on facebook mm. if you wish to communicate with me do it by voice mm. and you force people it's like well if you either want to talk to me or don't talk to me <laughs> and, and you found back then that many of um. The other people in your life at the time, because we're talking about when you're in your teenage years, had trouble Mm. actually doing that, connecting with you by a voice. So they chose to um, not communicate with you at all, didn't they? Yes. The impact from some some people, purely a social experiment that you were doing, uh, you found that you became disconnected with a certain. Uh, type of person or a person who was maybe more into their fun, into socials and, uh, and they were doing it and probably were given the things at an age that was too young, but now the age has just gone even further, it's even younger. Oh,
1: there's people. one thing actually, just to share this, I've seen it a few times and I actually think it's quite depressing, is that I have seen young children, maybe three or four years old, who have an iPad and they're watching a video of a child playing with a toy. Um, And I've seen that, I think, at least two or three times now, maybe more than that. And that's one thing I find very depressing. It's like, you've got a very young child. They're not watching a TV show. They're not watching anything. They're watching another child play with a toy. Like, we we should still give our children toys that aren't iPads. We should. This should still be a physical object that you can play with. You know, they're 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 still around, of course. But the fact that I haven't just seen that once, and I've seen it a couple times, uh, just saddens me very much. Because you know, I have an iPad right next to me. I love it. I think it's great. I could use that to learn any language in the world. I can use it to learn all of mathematics i can use it to understand history i can use it to connect with people i could use it to you know i'm using my laptop now to do this zoom call these te- technologies they're not a negative thing they're a very big positive they've empowered us to do a lot of things um, you know 20 years ago how would this call have happened um you know it would have happened over the phone it would have cost a lot of money uh, and we would have been able to release the podcast online so you know it has a lot of benefits but with all of those benefits you've got negatives that come up with every new set of technology and that's what we're seeing with ai as well and with just the next generation of the internet we're seeing so like tons of benefits but the bigger the benefits are the stronger there seems to be for uh, a lot of drawbacks as well well thank you Um, that's
0: that's yeah. a really good information. A really good message. So to yeah. uh, to finish up our very interesting uh, conversation, yeah. uh, do you have anything that you would like to share as a a, a, a closing kind of statement yeah. to that's watching and listening to us today? Apart from as the- far as a um... so many things that I that I know <laughs> yeah. of the interest of many many people.
1: Mm. well let's see i feel something that's very important more important i feel than anything we've talked about today that i think i briefly mentioned before is you as an individual your personal gathering of ideas because ideas have power with within us um because we are every day have such a large access to information, and that information keeps increasing. I feel that clarity, knowing what ideas to look for, but also what ideas to go maybe not necessarily reject, but go, that's not for me. Or I'm going to look like I'm going to look inside of this idea and take something good out of it. Because there are a lot of I don't think anyone's a bad person. I feel there are just people who make decisions that harm others and decisions that are negative. There are also people who don't do that. But I feel at the core, you have to see the humanity. You can't just... If you have an opinion on something, since someone has a negative opinion, you can't look at the other person and go, you're a monster, I hate you. Because then the other person is going to turn around and go, you're a monster, I hate you. If we keep looking at each other as monsters and not human beings who grew up in a family who has a mother or father, whether they're alive or dead or together or not or anything, if you realize that the person is an individual um, and that they're not some evil monster, I feel we can have a a lot more positivity in the world and a lot more of a collective working together to build a better world because that's what i'm that's what i feel my goal is is that i want to be able to work together with people to build a better world um because otherwise what are we doing here um there are problems that okay. need fixing let's fix them
0: clarity. that's that's the key. exactly
1: I love clarity it.
0: clarity in communication whether it's communication one-on-one with what you're seeing and to draw the clarity yeah. out of it. I love that you said exactly. the, the inside bits, the clarity, the things that are positive to yeah. you. Um, that that's awesome. Thank you, Jack. Mm. That's great. No worries.
1: Message In, with one last
0: clarity. one
1: last thing to say with that, um, just off of clarity, is with information. Um, uh, same thing with communication, but is information. It's very easy online and in person to go, oh, I heard this thing about this thing and this thing. And then you say it. Maybe some of it's true. Maybe it's not. But I feel everyone, because we all have access to these devices, um, we have the power to research something, even if it's for five minutes. If there is an some belief you have, or if there is some uh, key information that is controversial, you should always, even if it's a quick five-minute Google search, should always look into it. Because I feel if you basically read around a subject, you can find out a lot more information about it and realize that maybe things aren't black and white, that things are a lot more well-rounded than we might perceive. And I feel using clarity, having clear ideas, and clearly communicating those ideas to people And when someone says, oh, uh, you said this about this thing, where did that come from? You go, I read this article about it, and or I read this book, and this is where I got the idea. Um, I feel having all of that, combining that together, can create the clarity of thought, the clarity of ideas um, that we can all have um, in the world. With ourselves and with people.
0: (laughs) That is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank
1: you for having me. Thank
0: you. Really appreciate your time um, and your knowledge and your insight uh, that you've shared with us today. It's been been fascinating listening to you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Susie. It's been a pleasure to be here.
0: (laughs) You're most welcome. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.